Well, hey, hi, and how you doing? He's Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson, and from our Champion Chevrolet studio, it is another installment of NSN Daily. A lot to get to today on the show, including Alex Margulies jumping in for a segment and connecting with Miles Mastroboni after he hit his first Major League home run. That's coming later. We'll go down to Vegas and visit with Mike Palm. We're also talking with the women's basketball team as they get set to go to Canada and more. But we begin with a little Wolfpack football talk. Chris, yesterday we honed in on the offense a little bit, heard from Ken Wilson. Today we'll talk a little deep which last year was ahead of the offense and it would appear throughout the spring defense was slightly ahead of the offense as well. Yeah, I think there's a little bit more faith that the defense will be able to play really well this year, but there are some major question marks because you lose your three starting safeties. Those are also your three top tacklers. You also lose Dominic Peterson, who was the top five in Wolfpack history in sacks and tackles for loss. The best pass rusher, certainly on Nevada's roster, one of the best in the Mountain West, three-time All-Mountain West player. So you lose your back line, you lose your best player up front, and you have to replace those guys. Now, there are some really good players coming back on this defense. I think the reason there is um, a lot of confidence with this unit is because this is Ken Wilson's expertise. Of course. He's a defensive-oriented coach, co-defensive coordinator at Oregon before that Washington State, obviously a long time at Nevada. It just feels like he'll be able to get his side of the ball buttoned up a little bit more. And I think you look at the spring game, I think that was the case. The defense looked ahead of the offense. I think the linebackers are going to look really, really good. Drew Watts, eight straight games last year as a freshman with a tackle for loss, one of the best linebackers in the conference. You also have Jackson Duke coming in from Oregon. And I think you even look at the roster construction. We talked about all these transfers coming in, almost on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that shows the coaching staff is very happy with where the personnel is mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. They didn't feel like they had to plug quite as many holes, so fewer transfers on defense and offense. One of the longest tenured Wolf defensive players is in the secondary and he was part of the representatives down at Mountain West Media Days. It is Jaden Denman. Here is he here here he is sounding off a little bit uh, heading into this year. We know we know what to expect now with our head coach now. You know after being under him for one year, I feel like we're all bought in and we know like we got to come out there and we got to come out there and get the work in. We want to be fast and efficient. Like we want to get the work done, but we want to make sure it's perfect work, good work, you know. And perfect is a, a word like, you know, it's hard to reach, but you know, if we strive for perfect, that's gonna have, that's how we get to, you know, be a great team overall as a unit. Just getting over the hump. Like, you know, some games I feel like it was things that happened that shouldn't have happened, but we let it happen. And you know, you can't really do anything about it, but you know, just gotta come out there and just, you gotta continue to work and just be dominant. Like we have to be dominant as a unit to be great and to be able to finish. And then it's like, it all comes down to the work that you put in over the summer and everything like, Finishing through the line, you know, getting that extra rep or doing everything that you're supposed to do, you know what I'm saying? So I just feel like we just, after that, we just got to continue to do it, continue to strive for greatness, and I feel like it's going to work out. So you mentioned the loss of guys like Don Peterson and then Bentley Sanders and Tyson Williams in that secondary. Nevada just two wins last year, but was oh so close to getting a few more of those. And I think another play or two on defense was a big reason why they could have maybe overcome those. Yeah, and I think the defense played really well in some of those losses. You look at the game against Colorado State, they didn't give up a point until the final second ticked off the clock. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of that damage was done by the offensive turnovers that turned into Colorado State touchdowns. You look at the game against UNLV, were they perfect? No, but they played far uh, in a way better than the offense. Nevada should have won that game. So the defense did have some really good outings. And I think when you look at the strength of this team, uh, Jaden Dedman in the quarterbacks. I think that's going to be a strength. Uh, Isaiah Sesma comes back as a starter. Jaden Dedman comes back as a starter. I know you're very big on Trey Weed. Yeah, the transfer just saw number eight make a yep, highlight. Transfer from Eastern Washington. He'll probably be uh, nickel safety, which is kind of like a cornerback position. So I think you got to be happy there. I think you got to be happy with the linebackers. 
The big question for me is the pass rush. There's only uh, no players on this team who had more than two sacks last year on the defensive line. Now, there are some good players, Deion Washington on the interior. Elijah Winston from USC made some impact last year toward the latter part of the season. They added Henry Ikahifu, a transfer from Cal. So you got to be able to heat up that quarterback and stop the run. So that's my question is how well will they play up front? Because there are some question marks about the safeties, but the safeties actually are pretty experienced. Not a lot of starting talent coming back, but a lot of guys who have been in the program three, four, five years. And then Drew Watts right there. there I think he's going to have a phenomenal season. I think he's going to be an All-Mountain West player. I think he's the best player on this team heading into his sophomore season. So really excited to see what he can do defensively. And again, Ken Wilson coached linebackers coming up through being an assistant coach. Drew Watts is a linebacker. I think he's going to get Drew Watts to be an NFL player down the road. Oh, man. And Jaden mentioned that comfortability in year two with this staff. The hope is that goes a long way. It sounds like it is based on uh, his words. Nevada picked to finish 11th out of 12 schools, trying to prove some people wrong. So we'll have, a, a, of course, much more on the Wolfpack as they open up fall camp on August 2nd. But from a team picked to finish toward the bottom to the ultimate favorite in the Women's World Cup, bit of a nail-biter last night for Team USA taking on the Netherlands. It would be the Dutch striking first in the 11th minute. That goal scored by Jill Roared, and then it took a long time before uh, the red, white, and blue got that equalizer, Chris. First draw for Team USA at the World Cup since 2015. I guess they did go on to win that one. Though. Yeah, I mean, it had been a long, long time since they'd even trailed in a World Cup match, and you kind of are curious. Second half, you're losing. Will the pressure get to you as the heavy favorite, or will you rise up and be able to at least get some points on the board? Certainly, they wanted to win in this match. They were not able to get that, but they got the draw. They got the point. They played much better in the second half, I think, than the Dutch. They were clearly outplayed in the first half, so there was something that happened at halftime, just being more aggressive and having a little bit more of a fire underneath you. But Team USA is missing some key players. This is not the same team right. that won the World Cup a few years ago. So um, it will be very interesting to see if they do prevail. But they have not been the dominant force everyone was expecting for, uh, through the first two matches in group play. We'll see what they do against Portugal. Probably have to at least tie that game to move on to the knockout round. If they don't make it to the knockout round, it'd be one of the biggest upsets that you'll ever see in professional sports. It's literally never happened. The uh, Team USA women have never been knocked out in the group stage. As you saw, a great moment there as Lindsey Horan and Daniel Vandedonk got a little tied up. Some words exchanged, and then quite literally like a moment later, seconds later, Lindsey scores off the corner. That would prove to be the equalizer. One won that match as Team USA as everybody's friendly afterward. I think they play together uh, competitively overseas as well. So everything's good afterward. 1-1. <laughs> Team USA now faces Portugal next Tuesday with a little bit of pressure if they want to move on. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, we're going to go back to our chat that took place yesterday, but you didn't get to see it. So different outfits, but we're heading down to uh, Greater Nevada Field, connecting with Aces pitching coach Doug Drabeck. A great chat with the 1990 Cy Young winner coming up next. Welcome back to NSN Daily. He's Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson. Hard to believe we are just about to get into August and the thick of the second half when you're talking minor league baseball. Let's head to Greater Nevada Field now, shall we, and talk with one of the coaches for the Reno Aces. It is pitching coach Doug Drabeck joining us today. Coach, how's year two in the biggest little city treating you? Uh, treat me good. Glad to hear it. Just uh, tell us about the season thus far and kind of the development from the guys. And you're seeing some guys bouncing up and down. There's a lot for you to keep track of, obviously. Yeah, uh, this year we, we have had a lot of uh, action uh, up and down and, uh, uh, you know, but that's to be expected in AAA. Uh, 
last year we were probably a little bit more consistent than we are this year. But, uh, you know, like I said, we've had some uh, changing body parts. And, uh, you know, as far as a group, it, it's, it's good to be around. Uh, everybody's going to go through their struggles here and there. You just hope it's just one guy at a time and not several. Uh, but, uh, you know, there again, the pitching, uh, we've seen a lot of improvement from some guys uh, from the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, it's the one thing here is that's what you're trying to do and get these guys uh, to the big leagues or back to the big leagues. You've definitely seen a lot of guys get to the big leagues in really your last couple of years here. Obviously, Brandon Fott, Ryan Nelson, Dre Jamison, Tommy Henry. I guess how proud have you been just to be a part of them making their big league dream come true and just trying to get them to be able to stick at that level and have the kind of career you did as a pitcher in the big leagues? Well, that's one good thing about this job. Uh, you know, just seeing the guys uh, that you've been with for, you know, several years, some more than others, but uh, – uh, to see them be able to go up and the main thing is go up and stay and uh, make a name for themselves and uh, get their big league career started. It's it's a treat. I like uh, sitting back, uh, you know, and watching the TV and watching those guys work. A lot to keep, uh, keep track of when you're Coach Drabeck. And year 14 now in the Arizona Diamondbacks organization, I think that speaks a lot to that organization and you sticking with them. What can you just say about top to bottom uh, what the D-backs have going? Well, I, the one thing, uh, you know, that's been good for me is uh, they've they've allowed uh, the coaches uh, to, uh, you know, have an opinion and uh, throw ideas out there and, you know, have a say-so in things. You know, not necessarily that, uh, you know, everything is going to be accepted or anything like that, but – we at least have a chance to do that. And, uh, you know, I think that frees up the, the thinking and it uh, allows you to have some imagination, whether it's right or wrong, and present it to them. And, you know, between the two, hopefully, you know, something clicks or hits or says, hey, you know what, that just might be what he needs and uh, and try it out. So that's, uh, that's the one thing uh, that I've enjoyed, well, like you said, 14 years. You had a really long big league career, 13 years in the majors. You were an all-star. You were a Cy Young Award winner. So I guess what is the biggest jump going from AAA up to the majors that you're trying to impart on these guys on where they need to adjust to be able to have that longevity that you experienced? Well, I think the one thing is is uh, consistency. Uh, you know, as far as for pitchers, it's uh, consistent in the zone and, and learning how you – can pitch against these guys and how you can get these guys out knowing yourself knowing your game because once you get up to the the big league level I mean it's it's same all the way around at all levels everybody goes through good and bad streaks but uh, the consistency that the hitters have also uh, in the big leagues is something that uh, you know is is what keeps them there and that's what makes them good hitters and so now it, it's your job to figure out how you can be consistent and, uh, like I said, uh, limit the free passes and just know how to get outs. Going back to that epic 1990 season you had with the Pittsburgh Pirates, led the league in wins, won the Cy Young. We are coming up on an anniversary, August 3rd, 1990. What do you remember about that day, Doug? August 3rd, 1990? Does a Sil Camposano uh -oh. ring a bell, maybe? 
Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. I didn't know we were going to have a quiz test. Sorry about that. Yeah, it kind of sticks out in my mind. That's all right. In Philly, you're talking about. August 3rd, 1990, okay. uh, two outs in the ninth on the precipice of a no-hitter, and Sill steps up. I guess, what do you remember about that night? Well, I, I just remember, uh, uh, I know it was full count. Uh, I, I remember uh, a play in the fifth inning by Chico Lean. He uh, uh, made a play on a ground ball in the hole uh, between him and first base and stretched out, dove, got it, and threw the guy out. And, uh, and I just remember I, I threw ball four, and he just uh, went up and got it and hit a uh, soft little liner just over Chico's glove because Chico was known to be able to jump high, but he also had probably one of the smallest gloves in the major league at the time, and it just uh, kind of cleared his glove, and then that was the end of it. Hell of an outing nonetheless. Obviously a phenomenal season for you. You got 23 of the 24 first place votes for the Cy Young. Uh, Ramon Martinez got the other one, also beat out Frank Viola. Ramon uh, Martinez, we mentioned. Dwight Gooden also got some votes wow. that year. Um, I do want to take you to some other green grass. We see some green grass behind you, but I know you are an avid golfer. That's one of the things you enjoy about being in the Reno Tahoe area. So how is the golf game this season when you do get to break away, maybe on a Monday on your guys' off day? Yeah, usually it's just a Monday. Once in a while, we'll get out during the week. Uh, maybe if we have some coordinators in town or something, and go play early in the morning. But uh, it, it's been good. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of choices out here, and uh, uh, you know, it's a little for me being from Texas, a little bit different uh, layouts and stuff, which I enjoy. And there's probably a little bit more, uh, not necessarily shop making, but. Uh, uh, golf planning, uh, layup shots and things like that. Uh, as you get older, you don't get the ball as, as high and as far. So <laughs> now I kind of have to play that old man game of uh, laying back a little bit compared to everybody else and then uh, playing for par. Well, here's to some more loan numbers for the rest of the summer here in the biggest little city. Coach Jaybeck, anything else you want to add before we let you go? No, that's it. I just, uh, you know, like I said, that. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, get on a run here, uh, have some guys uh, just, uh, as I mentioned earlier, get real consistent, and uh, we can make a run for the playoffs. Looking forward uh, to watching this all unfold. Doug, thanks so much for joining us here on NSN Daily. Uh, thank you. That was good stuff from Coach Dre Beck. As, uh, he, he's been at all these destinations as far as the Diamondbacks farm system goes. i got to think Reno's probably one of the top ones. Though. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that he has stuck with that franchise for so long in so many different roles. And like you said, he's kind of been able to coach a lot of these guys now at the big leagues at three different levels, you know, single A, double right. A, triple A. So very unique experience. And obviously Arizona's got a lot of really good young pitchers. We'll see if they stick with the team or if they're maybe used as kind of trade chips as Arizona tries to make it in the NL West. We will certainly have to see. All right, we're back right after this on NSN Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily on a Thursday. He's Chris. I'm Mike. We are set up, setting up shop here in northern Nevada, but come next week, the women's basketball team is heading up north of the border, Chris. Yeah, exactly. One week from today, they go over to Vancouver, a little three-game series in British Columbia, and got out to practice today. They're very excited, and they've gotten some additional practices, which is key because they have seven newcomers kind of sorting out their roster before they go play those Canadian teams. Each four years, a program can take an international trip. Back in 2019, Nevada's ladies heading to Spain. Sounded like there was a few different options for this year, but they landed 
landed on Vancouver. As again, you were out at practice today. What were some of those uh, early uh, impressions? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone is really looking forward to it. Audrey Roden says she wants to hit the beach. Kennedy Lee says she wants to try <laughs> the maple syrup. Amanda Levins, the head coach, says she wants to see if the scenery matches up with the photos that she's seen online. And then Claire Jacobs is actually from Australia. She's a new addition to the team from LaSalle. Said she just wants to connect with her teammates because she is new to this program. So everyone looking for a little something different. And obviously, they'll play three games as well. But I think the bonding is a big part of why this trip is something that everyone's looking forward to. And here is Coach Levins and a couple of her gals sounding off on their pending trip to Vancouver. Experiencing some different culture, having different types of foods. Um, but yeah, just that time together, getting to do those fun activities. And uh, we're staying on a college campus, so they're going to be in the residence halls. You know, some of them have been in apartments for a couple years, so kind of going back to freshman year a little bit. Um, and then they'll room with people they don't live with. So getting that quality time with each other, I think, will be really fun. We do majority of the bonding when we're traveling over season, and I think that to get that experience together before we actually do it will bring us even closer before the like, season starts and all of that. So definitely think it will be good for our team chemistry. Off the court, I heard a lot of good things about their maple syrup. <laughs> so I'm excited to try that. I love food, so just trying new things such as that is really exciting. And then on the court, um, just to experience a new style of play. Um, West Coast ball and then East Coast ball are completely different in themselves. And so just having the opportunity to see the game in a different version is really exciting. Nothing like some quality maple <laughs> syrup. But Kennedy and Audrey there, they are two parts of a core that returns that is going to have a lot of pressure on it to improve. Yeah, I mean, 10 wins last year, the year before 20-plus wins. So you have that kind of decline. You want to be able to bounce right back up. Obviously, Ali Jimenez transferred to Florida Gulf Coach, which is a very good uh, mid-major team. They made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. But outside of Ali leaving, the majority of the core of this team is back. Five freshmen join the roster to transfers who should be impact players. Coach Levin says this team is deeper, this team is bigger up front. So that is the hope where the improvement will come. But I think Audrey Roden's a big piece. She was very good as a freshman, a little bit of a sophomore slump. Based on what I saw out there today, she doesn't miss three-pointers. She was nailing every right. shot that she was taking. If she can get back to being an All-Mountain West kind of player, I think that will really help everybody else fit into roles and maybe find their niches as Nevada does look to rebound. Year seven under head coach Amanda Levins. We will have more with women's basketball as that trip nears next week up to BC. In the meantime, coming up next year on NSN Daily, we're visiting our friend from down south, Mike Palm. Circa VP joins the show for the latest installment of Circa Best Bets. It's right after this. This segment sponsored by Circa Sports. Welcome back to NSN Daily. He's Chris. I'm Mike. We're hanging out in the Legends Bay Lounge, powered by Circa Sports. Perfect timing for our Circa Best Bet segment as we head back down to Las Vegas. Joined once again by VP of Ops at Circa, Mike Palm. A lot to get to, Mike. And let's get right to it and uh, backtrack a little bit because what a win for Brian Harmon at the Open Championship over the weekend. The lefty gets it done. He went out at 145 to 1. Yeah, we opened him originally when we opened the pool up at 175 to 1. Um, and he closed at 145 to 1 before the tournament started. It was actually a tremendous result for us because people were trying to find alternatives to beat him. I mean, even with the five-stroke lead heading into Saturday, he, he was plus 180. And then, you know, when he drops the first, uh, he drops two shots to the lead and he's only three over, uh, you could have got him at around plus 250. You know, eventually he just pulled away with it consistent. Hadn't won in six years, but had the most top ten finishes. 
for anybody that hadn't won in six years. So great victory for Brian Harmon and a tremendous result for Circa. Anybody get in on those bigger odds? Uh, anybody b believe in him going into the tournament or maybe even after his first round? We took uh, well, we took uh, a few bets on him before the tournament, but only for a couple hundred dollars. So th those folks cashed. There were a few guys heading into Saturday that put down a few thousand on him, um, you know, a little more better than even money. And then he was almost unbettable heading into Sunday when he made the putt on 18 on Saturday uh, at, th at minus three dollars. I didn't think anybody would be betting him at that point, and they didn't. It was funny how Mike noted that everybody was looking for someone to beat him on Sunday, and it sounded like all the fans at Royal Liverpool were kind of rooting against him, too, because he was so far ahead. He said that someone actually went up to him and said, you don't have the stones to do this, Brian, and he said that helped motivate him to finish it. So how funny is that? Let's transition now and look ahead as the uh, MLB trade deadline approaches August 1st. Sounds like the Angels are going to stand pat and keep Shohei Otani. As we look at Circa and favorites to win the World Series, do you see that shifting much? Right now we're looking at Braves and the Dodgers with the top two and then Astros and Rangers in the AL. Well, the most movement was on the Angels because they kept him, and then they went out and got Lucas Giolito, who I thought was probably going to go to the Dodgers. So the Angels we lowered from seven, from 100 to 1 to 50 to 1. Also, they played better. They were 100 to 1 a week ago. They were down to 70 to 1, and we moved them to 50 to 1. Everything else, pretty much status quo. The Braves are still the favorite, plus 360. The Dodgers are the second choice. I don't know if you can name their rotation in a playoff series, but they're 6 to 1. And then the Rangers and Astros, who are playing a series in Houston this week, are co-third choices, plus 850. The Tampa Bay Rays, who were favored uh, for the first two months of the season, are now 9-1. to one, And the red-hot Baltimore Orioles, who are atop the AL East, are actually the, um, the sixth choice at 11-1. to one. How much action do you guys see like right around the All-Star break as trades kind of break and people maybe want to try and get a bet in before the odds move? Yeah, they, they, you see it at the break, and then you're going to see it this weekend right now as teams are anticipating, you know, are the Padres going to be buyers or sellers? Rumors are... Uh, Hader and Snell are both on the market. Uh, will the Reds go out and get one of those? You know, one of those guys. I mean, m most teams in the playoff hunt could use Snell right now. I mean, he's probably the the best prospect out there. There was rumors Bieber might be available. Lance Lynn probably going to the Rays. It looks like so. People trying to anticipate the trades and uh, get the bets in before the odds move. It'll be interesting to follow that, and I'll have to ask Chris once we're done what that Dodgers playoff rotation will look like, our resident L.A. Dodgers fan here in the house. Let's transition now to the Women's World Cup. Sounds like there hasn't been a ton of action outside of Team USA, but anybody that took a flyer on the Philippines got paid out, that's for sure. Yeah, 9-1. to one. You're seeing some big odds. I mean, it makes it a little hard to bet. I'm a totals better, so it makes it a little hard to bet because you see teams are 3-4 and four goal uh, favorites. The U.S. was a, it got up to a six-goal favorite against Thailand. Of course, they beat them 13 to nothing three years ago, but only managed three to nothing. So, I think that dissuades a little bit of the action when it's it's so lopsided. Um, heavy trends to the under. Obviously, 18-4 and two to the under so far. Uh, if if you took the bet, will both teams score? No, you'd be 20 and four to this point. Only four games out of the 24 played that both teams scored it. I know there hasn't been a lot of action, so maybe the future lines haven't moved that much. Team USC, the favorite coming into this. Do you have a pick that you like that maybe teams aren't, or betters aren't necessarily looking at because everybody wants to see Team USA win? Well, I think they're a little bit vulnerable. Obviously, the Netherlands gave them quite a game last night and actually uh, had the lead for the majority of the game. So but the U.S. odds have been pretty steady at around plus 220, plus 240. It's still probably theirs to win or lose. We're going to see England and Denmark tonight as we transition to my best bet of the week. England was tremendously disappointing in a one nothing win over Haiti as a four-goal favorite. 
uh, the the Great Danes of Denmark, they beat China one nothing. I'm going to stick with the undertrend here. I have a philosophy in men's soccer. I don't play the total under unless the spread on the game is a half goal or a pick'em. I expand that to one in the women's because the competitive landscape is just not there. Tonight, England is a one-goal favorite, and I went. It's 1:30 a.m. Friday morning Pacific time. I went under uh, two and a half and laid a dollar forty here in this match between England and Denmark. I don't think Denmark scores tonight. Most likely scores England one nothing or two nothing. But we'll see about England, who against a weak Haiti squad could only manage uh, uh, only muster one goal on that on a penalty. So in case you missed it, Mike's best bet. Yeah, the under Denmark and England, that 1.30 a.m. start Friday morning. So you got action on it, Mike. Does that mean you're going to stay up and watch it? You know, the, here's the problem. The end game has not been available in the Las Vegas market oh. on these games, except for the American women. So what's the point? I've made the bet. It's also why I haven't been betting as much, because there hasn't been a consistent end game. If I knew, like it was an EPL match, and I knew there's going to be three books dealing an end game line, I most likely would stay up and, and watch at least the first half of that game until I could get into a position I wanted. But no need now because the end game won't be available. Wanted to ask you about a Nevada Independent story that recently came out that said Circa, now one of Nevada's leading sports betting operators out there. I know you guys are a very young company, but the growth you've been able to see with Circa and the success you guys have been able to see, I guess, why do you think you guys have um, you know, become such a big force in the market so quickly? Well, I think we've stuck with our model, which is uh, a lower takeout, you know, especially in the futures markets. And then we and then we take bigger bets from everyone. We don't we don't limit players. We welcome the sharp action to help us get the line to where it should be. And, and we've stuck with the model. I think the contests have played a huge role in getting our brand out there. When you have eight, ten thousand people entering the contest and getting them to come to our property, that helps not only from a sports but perspective, but uh, a perspective of the entire property as well. This article in particular looked at the first six months of mobile wagering, which in the Nevada market, William Hill Caesar's still number one, MGM number two by a slim margin, and we're right there neck and neck with stations for third. Depending on who you look at, you could argue either one of us was third. So um, in a few, four short years to have gone from nobody in a little book at the Golden Gate, no one even knew what Circa meant to being in the top three in the market in Nevada, I think is, is a quite an accomplishment. We have a long way to go. We want to get our in-game product better. We want to offer more props, but so far the story's been a good one. I think congratulations are in order, and we are certainly thrilled to be aligned with you guys here at Nevada Sportsnet. And you mentioned Circa's properties, one of those up here in northern Nevada. And you will be here next week, Mike, as you guys continue to take sign-ups for your Circa Survivor and Millions contest. Yeah, I'll be there. Derek will be there. Tim Murray and Sean King and their crew from their show Decent primetime actually going to broadcast from up there, their show next Friday. I think we're getting in around noon, and we're going to be there through or maybe 10 or 11 o'clock at night. Some of the members of our crew from the marketing and sports team are going to hang around Saturday as well, but um, we'll be there doing meet and greets and sign-ups. We have several of the proxies from Nevada going up to help folks get signed up if they don't live in the Reno-Sparks area, if they're, if they're Bay Area folks or whatever. Uh, they'll need a proxy to make their picks, and I don't think they're going to drive in every week to make their plays, so... Proxies will be available as well, and I'm looking forward. Haven't been up there since we opened the book, so it's been almost a year. I'm looking forward to uh, spending uh, some time in Reno next Friday. Really excited to have you on our side of Nevada. He is Mike Palm, Circa Sports, VP of Ops. Thanks so much for joining us again, Mike. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you next week. All right, we're back right after this on NSN Daily.
All right, Miles Masterboni joining us from the Windy City right now with the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Miles, man, we were just kind of chatting off camera. It's crazy to think it's been since 2016 uh, that you were shooting up in the silver and blue. Now you're with the Cubs. Uh, life must be going pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, still the same old stuff. Uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, just taking it one day at a time. Of course, uh, you hit your first big league home run uh, this last week at Wrigley Field. I mean, I imagine as a baseball player, those are the kind of things you close your eyes and dream about when you're playing in the backyard or whatever. It's like, all right, I'm stepping up to the plate at Wrigley Field, and that's the place that you hit your first major league home run. I mean, could you have dreamed it up any better? No, honestly, not really. Um, it was kind of wild. Like when I when I first got traded over here, I, I said this in a in an interview just recently. Like. I didn't realize kind of how special um, Wrigley Field was and, and how special the fan base was. I mean, they sell out pretty much every single game, and uh, those fans are there every night uh, cheering us on and everything. So to do it in front of a packed house on a Friday, on a Friday day game, like, um, can't draw it up any better. Maybe maybe get it a little earlier on in the season would have been a little better, but we'll take it now for sure. All right, so take me through like that home run trot. Like, is anything going through your mind, or are you just kind of in the blur as you realize, all right, I just hit my first big league home run? Um, maybe finally. <laughs> no, um, you know, it was, a, it was a little, it was a tough, kind of tough uh, start for the season and everything like that. So to kind of see some things, you know, turning around and and playing the way that you kind of want to play for the city, like, um, you know thinking about a lot all the hard work that's kind of gone into it but um you know also not thinking about this while I'm trying but you know kind of after the fact of just uh you know this is kind of the start of of something bigger so I'm hoping to play this game for a long time in this league yeah so you left Nevada in 2016 you were drafted uh by the Tampa Bay Rays and and started your grinds you know through their minor league system eventually got to the big leagues with the Rays last year and then you got traded over to the Chicago Cubs I mean when you look back at the journey that it's been again it's crazy to think it's been six years six years seven years um what's the grind been like Ooh, a lot of hard work um, a lot of days where you know you don't want to go to the gym or you don't want to do you know certain things you kind of want to go do uh maybe something else or hang out with some friends or stuff like that but um you know kind of what you kind of described is when you experience stuff like that, like that's, you know, the days that you have to grind through the dog days and, um, you know, to see kind of it all come to fruition. Like that's what it's kind of all about. I mean, and, and knowing just, you know, my time spent in the minor leagues, you know, covering games and seeing guys, it's not easy being someone in the position that you were, I mean, you weren't a really low draft pick necessarily, but you're also not one of those kind of, lottery pick guys first rounders that have a ton of money tied to them how did you kind of keep the the mental resolve to push through I know those seasons are long in the minor leagues to to eventually kind of get to that dream of, of making it to the major leagues yeah I mean I think um just kind of the dream that you set out as a kid right like um you know once you get drafted you kind of realize like I didn't realize how much really actually goes into it but you know, you're, you're getting, you're getting pretty close. So, I mean, that kind of just has, has driven me the whole time, um, you know, to get up here, um, you know, and not being the, 
the high-touted guy or, you know, the prospect or anything like that. Like, I had to really, you know, um, take my opportunities and, and do, you know, really what I could with them. And, um, you know, it, it was just something I had to kind of keep my head down and, and keep pushing through and, and um, never quit, right? Like, you know, things, times are going to get tough, but, like, um, it's a lot it's a lot of fun when you get to the other side too. So just to keep that in, in mind was, uh, was something good for me. What do you remember about getting called up uh, last September and, and, you know, stepping into a batter's box the first time or maybe walking into a major league stadium and kind of looking around? Is there a moment that maybe stands out in your mind as, as you were able to, to get called up by the race? Yeah, I think um, kind of the biggest thing that kind of stands out to me is um, experiencing it with my teammates in that locker room. Um, I had a lot of guys in that locker room that I spent pre- – I, there's a few guys that I spent my whole career with a um, few guys, four or five years that we've been playing together coaches that were in there that have been there from day one, um, you know, pitching coaches. Uh, I had a manager that was in there um, that our, our first base coach, he was with me since uh, 2017 in low A. So like they've kind of seen it all, you know, they've been with you the whole ride and like to experience that kind of stuff with those people, um, I mean, that that's what really stands out to me. Like, that was the best part to have those kind of people that, there with me. Um, and then once you once you get there, right, like looking up, seeing the bright lights, like stands, you know, people sitting as high as buildings are and stuff like that. Like, you get used to it and everything. But, um, you know, it was, it was a good feeling, too. Is there a ballpark that maybe has kind of been a pinch me moment maybe a team you grew up rooting for or um you know has there been that kind of you talk about Wrigley Field obviously maybe being even more um grandiose than you maybe even imagined in your minds is there another example of maybe a park that you walked into and was like dang uh, I'm I'm playing here now yeah um I mean I think Wrigley Field is definitely one of the top ones but um my parents grew up on the east coast my whole family's from the east coast right near New York so I actually got uh, recalled back up right before the All-Star break when they were playing the Yankees. I grew up a Yankee fan, uh, big Derek Jeter guy growing up. He was my favorite player, guy I really looked up to, guy I wanted to be, and, like, step foot in that stadium. And, uh, you know, when I got recalled back up to have Garrett Cole on the bump and, you know, one of the best pitchers kind of going in the game, that was a, a really surreal moment to have all my family in the stands. And, um you know, that was, that was a very special moment for me and my family, for sure. You were talking about, you know, hitting that home run and, and maybe feeling like, okay, that's going to kind of push you forward this year, maybe give you even more confidence. Uh, wh- where do you kind of feel like your game is at right now? And, and what are you trying to focus <clears throat> on, you know, to kind of become the best version of yourself and, and uh, best teammate, you know, for the Cubs? Yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think confidence is um, probably one of the biggest things once you get to this level, right? Like everybody's talented, you know, but going through the the mental grind and, and dealing with a game that you fail more than you succeed is kind of what separates guys. Right. And, um, you know, things have been, things have been going better. I've been starting to swing the bat a little bit better. I've, I've found kind of my groove again and stuff like that. Um, and a little bit of a different role, but, um, being able to kind of find that and just kind of carry confidence in um, to each at bat and to each game. Um, 
you know, got to keep doing things to help the team win, right? Like that's the main objective. Um, you know, World Series ring is is the number one, you know, goal now. So um, just finding ways to to uh, help the team win and, you know, whether that's defensive wise at the bat on the bases, you know, whatever it takes. Let's uh, backtrack to your time in Reno uh, here with the silver and blue. You spent one season with the Wolfpack. You were here with TJ Bruce in his first year. So you went from that transition to Jay Johnson to TJ Bruce. We'll talk about Jay in a second because he was part of recruiting you. But um, what was it like to kind of maybe lay the foundation at Nevada? And you saw how much success that TJ had here winning multiple Mountain West championships. And while you weren't part of one, you know, you were part of that team that really kind of laid that foundation uh, of Wolfpack baseball and really got, you know, Nevada baseball on that great track. Yeah. I mean, um, my time at Nevada, you know, was something special. I think, um, I think the teammates that I had had a lot to do with it. Um, I, I, we, we had a blast that year. Um, I still talk to numerous guys from that team still, we still, you know, everyone's getting married and having kids and stuff like that. So, you know, that's, that's the part, that's the best part about it. Um, the relationships that you create, um, you know, with, with Johnson leaving that year, you know, you have a chance to, to go elsewhere. Right. But, um, you know, I talked to TJ, I saw his track record at UCLA. I saw, you know, the kind of, um, coach that he was, um, I heard he was a big infield guy. So I knew that was going to be big for me being a, you know, middle infielder going in, um, so I thought it was just going to still be a good fit for me to go there. And, and I'm glad I did. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I look back on so many memories um, from that year and, um, you know, I, I'm very happy that I ended up staying for sure. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like that year at Nevada helps kind of prepare you for what was to come in, in pro ball and, and maybe some of the skills that you're able to learn and, and gain even that, that confidence at that time, you know, to go. Uh, and, absolutely. Like, perform? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, the staff that we had there, but I also thought, you know, uh, the teammates that we had, everyone seemed like they, they pushed each other, held everyone accountable, um, but also like pulled the rope in the, in the, in the same direction. And they wanted everyone else to succeed just as bad as they wanted themselves to succeed. So like to see that gra grasp, that kind of team aspect, um, you know, bounce ideas off each other. We had a lot of talent there. Um, you know, it, it was a, a definitely a big stepping stone for me, for sure. I imagine it's got to be cool. You know, you look at the College World Series this year, TJ Bruce in one dugout at TCU as an assistant coach, and then LSU, of course, winning the national championship, and, and Jay Johnson, who is the guy that actually recruited you uh, to Nevada, and then you decided, as you talked about, you know, once you learned more about TJ and got to know him, you decided to stay with the Wolfpack, but how crazy was it seeing, you know, Jay Johnson is somebody that called and recruited you and now he's winning a national championship at LSU. Yeah. I mean, I, going through the whole recruiting process, my, my biggest thing on where I kind of wanted to, to land was, um, was the coaches, right? Like I'm going to be spending most of my time with them. Like I want to make sure that I enjoy spending my time with them. Right. And to see, to see him doing what he's doing, um, you know, no, kind of no surprise there for me because, I you know that's that's why I wanted to to go to Nevada was to be with that. He's got a championship mentality. Um, same with uh, TJ, maybe TJ even more. He's got he's got a fire in him for sure, and so does Jay. But um, to see those guys kind of on the national stage was was amazing, and um, you know I'm so happy for both of them for sure. 
Miles, man, it was great catching up with you. Uh, congrats on your success right now in the major leagues. And I know everyone out here is uh, rooting for you out there with the Cubs. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Go Pack. Welcome back to NSN Daily. He's Chris. I'm Mike. We're wrapping a bow on this Thursday night show. Depending on when you're watching, the Aces might play after this, or they might have already played. Either way, we have the Aces game tonight on Nevada Sportsnet. It was supposed to be an even more exciting than usual <laughs> Aces game. Maybe you remember our show yesterday. We were talking about how Noah Syndergaard was set for a rehab start with the OKC Dodgers. That led us into jumping into the NSN time machine as we take a look at Noah's start in Reno in 2014. And sure enough, moments after we talked about this, this is a photo courtesy of David Calvert. Then the Dodgers had other plans as Thor Thursday is no more. Noah Syndergaard on the move from L.A. to Cleveland, traded yeah. yesterday, probably right before he was on his way to Reno, instead uh, heading to Ohio. Yeah, we spent about six minutes on the topic, so uh, <laughs> I wasted six minutes. Actually, right when we were walking out of the studio, I got a text from my mom, a big Dodgers fan, saying, thank goodness we don't have Thor anymore. So oh, no. He had not pitched all that well with the Dodgers, so that's why they shipped him off to Cleveland. Uh, the Dodgers ended up getting uh, Ahmed Rosario. So I think this is probably good for Thor. I think he slots right into that Guardians rotation. They need help. They were throwing bullpen games, so he'll get a chance to revive his career and actually I'm scrolling through Twitter on my little iPad here and I see a stat regarding Noah Syndergaard so today Shohei Otani uh, pitched a complete game shutout in game one of a doubleheader and then hit two home runs in game two of a doubleheader that kind of is normal business for him the last person to hit a home run and pitch a shutout on the same day Noah Syndergaard May 2nd 2019 Stop it. so his career is kind of cratered from there yeah but he did something that Shohei Otani did so congratulations Dude, to him on that front that is a, quite a stat bomb that I was not <laughs> expecting but yeah we did have a big segment uh, yesterday worth noting that we talked about all the other great players <laughs> to come through which those players actually did come through because we had photo evidence so Noah Syndergaard not pitching tonight in Reno instead with the Indians and yeah Shohei on your fantasy team you had a big decision I to did. make whether you play him as a pitcher today or as a hitter a complete game <laughs> shutout, two home runs, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you can't play him at po both positions. I usually go with the pitcher, Shohei, but since it was a doubleheader, I thought, okay, maybe he's going to get twice as many at-bats. He might do something. He did something on both sides, and really cool to see the Angels. They're going to hold on to Shohei. They traded yesterday for Lucas, uh, Lucas Giolito from the White Sox, maybe the best arm uh, traded during this deadline. So they're going all in. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but I think everybody out there who's a baseball fan, they want to see Shohei Absolutely. on the biggest stage. We saw it at the World Baseball Classic. He stepped up. He recorded the last out striking out Mike Trout. So Hopefully this does get them into the playoffs and Shohei can try and, uh, you know, shine in the postseason for the first time. They've never even finished above 500 with him on the roster. They're currently five games above 500, so trending in the right direction. My dad is the biggest Angels fan I will ever know, and even he was like, maybe we need to look at trading this guy. Like, can you imagine <laughs> the haul they could get for Shohei? It's not to be done. We'll see if he walks in free agency. He's Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson. That was NSN Daily. No show Friday. We'll see you Monday.